This is Conversations with Leaders. I'm Skyra Rito. In this podcast, we speak with young professionals who have found ways to show true leadership in their community. It is my hope that their stories inspire you to take action. All right, well, this is going to be a little bit different today. I brought back Ashley Mudd and Alex Lazard. Whoop, whoop. Right? These are, this is like my, my two live crew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, this is my group. It's what we do. We have a really interesting dynamic, especially in terms of the things that we're all passionate about. We come at it from different perspectives. You guys already know Alex is the guy who keeps me grounded, make sure I'm not always flying in the clouds. But, like, Ashley is my girl. I love this girl. We do a lot of things together, conversation starters, community work, LIA. She's really awesome. We have the same mindset. We're a little mm-hmm. bit more aggressive. Maybe. No, that's not a maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I brought them both back so that they can interview me today. And I thought it would be an interesting dynamic for you guys to hear how we interact as a group because it's really quite interesting. So I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over to them. I have no idea what's going to happen, so just roll with it. I know. Well, thank you, Skyra, for giving us the opportunity to support you in this. So I do want to start by acknowledging the fact that you have had over a thousand listens in your first year of doing this podcast, yes. series, which I think is very, um, you know, nominal to do, especially not having any previous like podcasting interactions. You know, like you launched and you did it, and it made a splash. And I think a lot of people enjoyed enjoyed that experience. Well, thank you. So it's pretty impressive that you've been able to build up these listens over the past year and you've been able to meet with a lot of different leaders. And I really just wanted your take on this process and sort of what what did you gain going through this and interviewing the different leaders that you've had on your show? I don't think a lot of people know, but I know you guys know that I'm very controlled. I like to control everything. So Hmm. like before starting this process, I think I was driving Ahmed crazy because I was like, I got to find the right mic. I got to find the right video video equipment. I got to find the right, all of the, like I'm just doing all the research. I'm buying all kinds of stuff on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And he's (laughs) like, what are you doing, girl? We're going to go to AOC. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm going to take you on a tour. That's how he started off. I'm going to take you on a tour. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. So we get into this podcast booth and he turns it on. He's like, all right, we're recording your first episode. And I was like, So literally my first episode was someone pushing me to do it because it probably never would have happened. Um, But also throughout this process, just you think you know a lot about people until Mm -hmm. you actually interview them about their life and their journey. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot I learned about my friends that I thought I was super close with that I didn't know before. Um, I didn't know Jason Okubi had gone to London to the School of Economics for an entire year. My friend Alex was actually in Houston. He was working in Houston, running his business in Houston when I originally interviewed him, and now he's back home. Whoop, whoop. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. And my friend Ashley was thinking of moving to an entirely different state, and now she's here as the first executive director of LIA. It's just been an interesting journey, learning a lot about the people, learning more about them that I didn't know before. Just learning about this process of podcasting just in general. That's really good. I like how you made the comment about interviewing people. It gave you the opportunity to learn more about those that you already knew a lot about. And I think that, you know, so often in life, we all make that mistake. Like we just kind of get into our relationships because we volunteer on this thing together. Right. And we end up spending so much time together. And we don't necessarily sometimes slow down to just pause and do like the basic friend building stuff, you know? So it's almost like the podcast, you started out being something that you would gift to others. And it's sounding like it's a gift to yourself that you didn't even realize 
It definitely was. You know, it would it would come out. Um, but that's but that's really cool. So before we kind of go into uh, kind of going over 2017, I think this is just a really good opportunity to continue like opening this up. So when you started this series, did you realize the amount of impact or gravity that you would have towards your episodes? No, I think I just wanted a way to to I wanted to give young people my age a platform, but it just turned into something so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to connect and engage with people in different ways. They got to learn a little bit about me, me a little bit about them, um, and opened up opportunities for us to work more closely together because it, it enhanced our connections. Like with Ann Falgu, I didn't know that when she first started that she was a single mom. She was in school full time. She was working full time. I mean, I did all of that as well when I was a single mom, but I didn't know that we had had the same type of experience. So mm-hmm. that was really awesome. It, it kind of blew me away a little bit about that. When I was talking to Carly, a lot of her background, like the way that she started out in her career is nowhere near where she is now, mm-hmm. right? She was a teacher. She was in Teach for America and now she's a director of planning right. and zoning. So just watching people's trajectory, like you you kind of know where they are, but just seeing their story of how they got there gave me a different perspective also on my life and the things that I wanted to do. It's not a ladder, right? It's kind of like a jungle gym. No mm-hmm. one's, No one that I spoke to whose career was a ladder mm-hmm. so that was that was pretty cool I think in that process you gave people different examples to sort of look up to to know that it's not it's not just a ladder and I think that one of the best things that happened sort of in the process having been an avid listener and listened to each one is that you were able to make those connections with different people um you, the connection that you shared with Anne but I think that um some of your listeners were able to also able to make some of those connections that would happen outside of the podcast. I know that after we were able to record mine, that at an event, um, a gentleman came up to me who had listened to it, who we had only known each other peripherally and heard something in it that really stood out to him. And we were able to make a connection that really helped me at work. And it seems small, but I think that you um, really became a local convener Mm -hmm. in this community Mm -hmm. and that people were able to listen to the different podcasts and Mm -hmm. and find things that resonated with them. And it makes it so much easier to go and approach a conversation with someone when you know that little bit of of information. Right. And also something that I think you, you did really well and I think that you do well um, in life, sort of outside of this setting, is that um, get people to be willing to be vulnerable and to have them kind of share some of that, um, what makes them vulnerable on air and sort of open open another version of themselves. Yeah. It seems like I could do it for other people. Maybe not so much for me. Well, I don't know. I pushed back on that a little bit because for our listeners out there, if you did not know, Skyra was featured in a TEDx talk here in Lafayette, Louisiana, TEDx Vermilion, and she gave a riveting speech that earned her a lot of accolades from a lot of leaders around our community. And I would say leaders, a lot of people in the community. I think your, your speech, which I want you to kind of talk more, I don't even want to reveal the title yet, I want you to say it, but I think the speech... <laughs> connected to people at different walks i think it connected to your everyday like mom who's just trying to do her best at work i think it connected to your college student who's just trying to like live up to what their family's putting on them i think it connected to the husband who's like trying to go and get it all for his family but is facing stereotypes every day you know when he goes to work i think connect with so many people whether you're a leader Mm -hmm. whether you're a student whether you're engaging in community whether you're not i think it just connected and landed in a lot of different uh demographics so once you share with our listeners the title and maybe tell us a little bit about the experience you had in opening yourself up the way you open others up okay so 
The title was The Courage to Be Unapologetically Black. And to be quite honest, it almost didn't happen. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? I almost quit twice. <laughs> it's hard. No, like, not you. I mean, right? I I run from vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that I actively pursue. I don't like being vulnerable. Again, I'm a very controlled person. If if I don't know the outcome of something or how someone's going to respond to something or how I think a project is going to end up, I'm usually not going to pull the trigger on it until I know. And this was a different side of me and the side of my life that I had never really publicly shared with anyone, not even privately. It's not it's just not something I talked about. And mainly it was about what it's like to operate in a world in which no one really looks like you. Not only do they not look like you, they don't think like you. They don't have the same experiences as you do. Mm-hmm. So having to share that with people and not knowing how it was going to be received, mm-hmm. that was a lot of was a lot of anxiety with that. Right. Especially with the position that I'm in and just thinking of all the bad things that could happen, right? Mm-hmm. Who's gonna call my boss? Are they going to try to get me fired? Are they going to think I'm being this radical person? Is it going to hinder my career opportunities? It just all of these things are running through my head. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, what will be the net positive to me mm-hmm. to share this story with other people? Right. So my friends, Alex, Ashley, Elsa, just convinced me that it was an important story for me to share because... I wouldn't realize how many other people are experiencing the same thing and are probably scared to share their experience as well. And so I just recognized that it was bigger than me. Mm-hmm. I mean, while, although it was my story, it was bigger than me. Right. And so it was important for me to share it. And so I did. So now that we're several months on this side of it, um, I think that it's been released online for a little over a month. And you actually released it as your last podcast so that listeners can listen to it right. there. What has your experience been on this side? Did some of the things that you feared come true? Did some of the things that you you hoped for come true? Yeah, I got. I actually got both sides of it. The really amazing thing was people wanted to call me and tell me, like, you are so brave. That was amazing. I experienced this every day. I'm so glad someone was finally brave enough to say it. A lot of people told me, I see you completely differently now. I didn't understand what you were doing and why you were trying to do it and why you were in all of these other spaces because it just didn't seem like, it just didn't seem like you wanted to be involved in different areas. Mm -hmm. But this gave me a different perspective of you and kind of how you viewed your community and your role in advancing it. And then there were some people who just didn't understand at all, um, who pushed back on a lot of the things that I shared in the talk. And I'm being I'm being generic on purpose because I want y'all to go and listen to it for yourself. Right. Um, but some people took it personal when it wasn't really meant to be taken personal. Mm-hmm. And some people just didn't understand it at all. Like, What do you mean by it wasn't meant to be taken personal? Well, when people hear things like that, I think a lot of the time the, a defense mechanism kicks in and mm-hmm. you're like, man, are they talking about me? Have I done that before? Mm-hmm. And I really I really wanted it to be an opportunity for them to self-reflect just holistically. Things, how they think, how they perceive different people, different opportunities, different meetings and roles and initiatives. Yeah. But a lot of people took it as, man, is she calling me out? publicly why didn't she come and talk to me about this personally instead of saying it on a public stage and that wasn't what it was about at all it was just about me sharing my experience and what it means to me and why it's important to me but not just me in a larger context how the things that I'm doing even though it's very scary for me I continue to do them every day because at the end of the day it's about my community it's about my son it's about my sister Um, it's about us advancing together 
holistically. So I don't want people to take it as a personal affront to them. Mm-hmm. I want it to open their eyes and for them to understand that there are other experiences happening in a room, even if you aren't aware of them. And right. just be more cognizant of that. Right. So I know that it took a lot of courage to go through the process, especially delivering it through um, TEDx. A lot of iterations, a lot of practicing, a lot of late night text messages. Can you guys <laughs> read through this and let me know? And so you, you touched on some, you, know, you said you did it for your son, you did it for your sister, but what really drove you to have the courage to go out and do this, knowing that it would be shared publicly? And once it was out there, you couldn't take it back. I think the, in the process, there was a turning point for me. Before I actually went on the stage and gave it publicly, I decided that I wanted to give it privately to the mayor, mm-hmm. who is my boss, mm-hmm. because it was important for me, for him, for him to hear it before I gave it, just... I don't know. I didn't know what to expect when I went in, when I was going to give him the talk before I actually gave the talk. I was very nervous. I was very anxious. I didn't know what his response would be. Mm-hmm. But giving it to him was a turning point for me because wow. immediately after I gave it, and it was it was very it was very emotional. And I'm not an right. emotional person, so for me to get emotional, it's a whole nother level. And the first thing he did when I ended was he stood up and he gave me a hug. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't no joel he's like me we're not big huggers Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so to me just that acknowledgement of what you're saying is important to me and i recognize how hard it must have been for you to say that and before i even say any words to you yeah i want to show you how much it affected me yeah Mm -hmm. by embracing you his way of saying i see you yes right yes and so that was a huge turning point for me at that point in practicing and getting ready to give it publicly. Right. I think it, it grounded me in a way that nothing else had before. I mean, even even applying, even before I applied, like, ah, are people going to understand? Like, what's going to happen? Just all of these things and feelings right. and emotions are coming out. And, and, you know, even having the support of your friends at the end of the day, it's me out there. That's right. That's right. It's me out there on that stage. I have to take ownership of that. Right. But having having that type of support... And I mean, that's, I mean, that that was kind of like, I know you didn't go into it with a goal, but to me, if I think about it, like that's, that's a goal right there. It's like to not let it be this personal approach to, I see you yes. like, wow, that's valid. That's real. Share it. And I can only imagine to have someone that you look up to give you that and gift that validation to you. It means a lot, you know, whenever you gave me the opportunity to be on your podcast we talked a little bit about how in some organizations leaders will solicit input and feedback mm-hmm. but not really want it yeah. you know mm-hmm. like yeah. they may say hey come in we have an open door policy and you can shape the culture right just tell us what you need <laughs> and you give them all of this and really it's just like a checkbox an hr checkbox to say that they in you know had an open culture but really nothing that you're saying is getting implemented right and it's this top-down approach we said this so go do that but in that moment it really was like you reported up to someone you looked to and they kind of saw that they held it and then they gifted a response back to you and i think that's what people in our generation look for we we look for opportunities where we can talk about our experiences we can share our approach to things and the the generation above us can give us that guidance give us that love give us that that sense of that's valid and yes. i stand with you in yes. the truth yes in an authentic connection right. you know knowing right. that that it's not just this perceived mm-hmm. openness but that really 
someone seeking to understand who right. you are, right. where you come from. And I think that this sort of, um, you know, pivoting the conversation comes back to what I've seen you advocate for in several different organizations. And that right now, I think that diversity and inclusion are buzzwords. And I think mm-hmm. that it's something that gets thrown around there a lot. And there's a, there's a difference between letting people have a seat at the table and letting people talk at the table. Right. Mm-hmm. Come and on, so, girl, you better say that. Okay. And I think that that, <laughs> that example that you gave really shows Skyra has a seat at the table I'm open to listen to her mm-hmm. and what she's saying is going to touch me personally because I think that it's when we really embrace that diversity of thought yeah. and allow the different perspectives to be shared yeah. that anything can 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 move forward and, and how powerful that that's happening right. in our mayor's office. Right, <laughs> right. And I think in that moment even sometimes it's not even about like you taking my agenda and making sure it happens, but it's more about understanding that my agenda has a place at the table just like yours. Yes, and we can talk about it together. We won't end up with 100% of what I want. We're not going to end up with 100% of what you want, but we will end up with something that gives integrity and honor to both of our desires yes. in some way, shape, or form. Right. So that's that's really awesome. So I'm glad that you stepped out. And for a person that says that you run from vulnerability, that is not what you did, my friend. You <laughs> ran into it, and you you grabbed it by the horns, and you did it. You did it. And, you know, for those that didn't have an opportunity to listen to it, I do urge you and I compel you to take, you know, six to eight minutes out of your day and and, and listen to it. Because sometimes we, we need to put ourselves in the midst of content, not for us to find out how we're going to grow from it, but to get connected to what the conversation is locally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How are you connected to the conversation? How are you connected to your community? Just showing up to a couple of town halls filling out some comment cards, it's not enough. We have to plug into content that's being curated locally and be connected to it. That's right. You know, there's sometimes I put myself in spaces that I don't understand nothing that's being talked about. I'll be honest with you. I've been to several board <laughs> meetings. I know I'm not the only one where You're I have not. no idea <laughs> like what their goal is. I read their mission statement. It has nothing to do with their organization. Like I'm lost, but it's not always for me to go in and try to change something, to try to do something. It's just about being connected to what's happening locally, being connected and, and, and kind of gifting your influence into environments. And so you, you that's one thing you know, you've all, you've been teaching me this past year. Yeah. You, yes. Like just, being present, being available, oh, instead mm-hmm. of having to go into an organization and lead or change right. or do something different. Like that's... I'm just a, being present is enough? Yes. That sometimes just your presence is enough. Well, yeah. And like having this, and basically that's just like having this, kind of to use your word earlier, authentic approach to just wanting to be there as an assist. Mm-hmm. Like we all have our own ways of getting stuff done. Right. I'm sure if... You brought me into LIA, I can list five things. If I brought you into my event world or my church world, you can list five things we need to do differently. And if Skyler brought us into her world, we can list five things that Project Front Yard could do differently. Right. Like we all have different approaches to what we do, but sometimes it's not about like launching that and yelling that approach. But it's just about being there in the room, being present and allowing your capacity to be submitted to whatever that organization's needs are in a given moment. That's hard for me. You know what's interesting and I totally get your point. I know personally that's something I struggle with. But bringing it back to Skyra, I can see how this relates to the conversations we've had about sometimes getting in the room and wanting to be the one that shouts from the rooftops, wanting to be the one that, that pushes something forward. But 
what I've seen is that that tends to put you in a position where you're always the one that has to move it forward. Yeah. That sort of you, you second you speak up or raise your hand, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what you're saying, what everyone hears is I volunteer to take the lead and to do that. And then when you're when you're out of that room, sort of what happens and how does that initiative continue? And so right. I see a lot of value in sometimes being present and behind the scenes just sort of pushing others to get there. So right. that's not always on you because you know, you can't carry the weight of the city, the parish, our community, I mean, you know, yeah. and I, mean, I want to. Right. I mean, and let's tell the truth. Like we do not have enough people that's engaged in our civic process locally. That's true. Oh, absolutely. So it's so easy for us to fall in those roles. Like there's so many people I know at the top of my head right now who they just have so much to give. And I'm talking about people of all walks of life. And every time they go into an organization, they're looked at as the change agent because people be like, oh, this person's at the table. Now we don't have to do the work. <laughs> right. yeah. You know, and it's like we have such a need in our in our city uh, for people to step up and, and kind of gift their capacity to organizations when you can. Um, that sometimes it's easy to kind of fall into that role of, well, I'm here, so we need to make movement. So let's do it and like start talking because mm-hmm. we're, we're about progress. We're about change. We yes. want to see progressive action. We want to see fruit. You know, we don't want to just hear you talk about your leaves and your vines. What a fruit. I need to see an apple. I need an orange. I need a grape. <laughs> you're talking about all the stuff you're trying to do, but you have no fruit. So we want to see fruit. We want to see results. We want to see change. We want to see stuff happen. Yes. And sometimes that's hard to do. It's hard to do. I don't know how I got on this. Because well, I think that the, the <laughs> longer process is the better one. And it's sort of that, that intentional inclusion of building people people who can then take the lead and yeah. w- which comes back to something that I was really impressed that you started last year you were selected to do the the do good project and you use that to offer significantly oh, yeah. discounted membership to our local young professionals organization mm-hmm. you know you pulled in several people and there's there's one particular person that I can think of that that joined the organization because of your program the first time he had ever joined the organization he was able to shadow someone that served on the board of directors uh, he was recently elected to the board of directors having not quite served a full year in the organization I think that that's a perfect example of, of how all your work sort of relates together and sort of that intentional inclusion on how can we adjust something that's already existing without creating something new and then, and then, you know, pull different people in with different perspectives, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, and what can that look like? And so now you've since stepped away from the leadership of that organization, but because of a recruitment process that you built, there's someone who's, who's stepping in to be able to move forward. Right. Man, I look back at that, and when I first got selected, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Like, what can I do that will provide the, the biggest amount of impact right. to an organization that's really important to me, that's really launched my career and the things that I'm passionate about here in this community? Like, how how do I effectively give that? How do I pay that forward, right? Yeah. That was my thought process behind that. And something as simple as saying, let's just offer a scholarship program for people who just might want to join. It might be awesome for the organization, but for whatever reason, they financially can't commit. How do we make that available to them? And so the board of directors allowed me to discount that rate and open it up. And through that process, we got 20 new people, 20 new members who never would have joined for whatever reason. And they became engaged and involved in ways that were important to them. That's pretty awesome. And I think about what you said about diversity and inclusion being buzzwords right now. Mm -hmm. And I think it has a lot to do with like the national rhetoric about access. Mm -hmm. Like what you said earlier, like, you know, a seat at the table and a voice at the table. So like there's this big like diversity and inclusion is like, you know, super buzzwords, which by the way, if you look at some of the top corporations, this is just like some homework for our listeners. I want you to go and give our listeners homework. Alex? Yeah, I'm giving homework. Um, <laughs> this work, is an Alex. That's thing. how we do it. It's yeah. homework or it's work work. If you listen to this at work, 
You choose. Okay. <laughs> so I want you to like look up the top maybe five to ten organizations in Life at Louisiana. Maybe even go to Bloomberg and look at, you know, maybe five to ten companies that's listed on Bloomberg's report, you know, that are pu- companies that are publicly traded that's located in the Acadiana region. And I want you to look at their leadership. And I want you to see what their leadership looks like and the diversity of the training of their leadership. And that kind of gets us to the next point of kind of what I think we should like give Skyra an opportunity to weigh in on because she's passionate about this. But what do you think about the pathway to continue to diversify the leaders of our region? Like if you if you so when you hear that statement, like what does that mean to you? And to make it more personal or connected to what we're doing, how do you see this podcast as being a vehicle for that reason? So I'm going to start off by sharing a story. A couple years ago, I had posted on Facebook and I asked the question, how many African-American leaders do we have in executive level positions in the top 50 companies in Acadiana? You would have thought that I was trying to start World War Three. Come on now. Okay, the way people were responding to that, they were like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, you know, we have leaders and what do you mean by executive level? And I'm like, you know, decision makers, CEOs. You're, CEOs. Talking, about, you're talking about C-level, like yeah, CEO, C-suite, CFO, CEO. C-suite, yeah. C-suite people. And they, yeah. were, they were giving me answers that were like, we have someone who's a director of, I don't know, finance. And I'm like, that's wonderful. I think that's great. But I'm talking about for people like me, for people like my sister, for people like my son, for people like AJ, which is Alex's son, who are they seeing running the top 50 companies in Acadiana that shows them that they can do it too? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You become mm-hmm. what you see. Mm-hmm. That is really important to me, right? Providing opportunities for people to see different types of people in leadership. And so when I asked that question, it was just an interesting slew of responses and, and people really didn't understand it. So I think that was another another pivot turning point for me. And I asked myself, Mm -hmm. what am I doing to create that type of opportunity? What Mm -hmm. am I doing to help my community get to a place where we can actually have those leaders to where I don't have to ask that question? Mm -hmm. What am I doing to do that? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I applied to take part in Leadership Lafayette because I need to be in a room with leaders if I'm going to have that type of conversation. The people who make those decisions, I need to be at the table talking to them. I went through Leadership Lafayette, and we did that program. Alex and I actually did it together. And one of the things that I noticed when I first did that program was Foundation Day. They talk about the founding of our community. What was absent was how did African Americans become part of our community? And that was a big void to me. And I was like, well, this is one way that I can I can affect change right now, today. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. do something about that. And so I had a meeting with one of the, the board of directors at the time. And her husband happened to be a professor at UL who had a background in civil rights history. And so the next year, he gave a presentation on black history um, to that class. And it just has mushroomed from there. And that's created a dialogue in our community about black history and what we're really doing as a community to be more inclusive and not make it a buzzword, right? What does inclusion actually mean? It's not just saying for the sake of saying, I checked off a box and we had three African-Americans and five white people and two Asians. That's not what I mean when I say inclusion. Inclusion for me is when you're developing a program that's targeting a certain section or segment of our community, who is at that table? If it's going to impact the people that live there, are they sitting in the room helping you guide and facilitate that project and what it should look like? Are they included in the decision-making process? Yes. That's what inclusion really means. Who are you including in that process? So that 
that was my first foray into figuring out a way to be more inclusive and getting more high-level people into those programs. And then connecting with other people who are really passionate about those things as well. Mm-hmm. Like my friend Corey Jack. Corey is super passionate about financial literacy for young people. So he created his own financial literacy program, and he is teaching it to high school students at Northside High. I wish I had learned about the stock market when I was 16 years old. Right. Do you imagine what my life would be like right now if I had learned about that? I wish that? I could better understand the stock market now. <laughs> well, for what it's worth, I tried. <laughs> it didn't turn out too well. Okay. Let's just say me and Sprint Stock got a little beef going. <laughs> Corey, if you're listening to this, the three of us are taking you to lunch. Anyway, so back to the story. Back to inclusion, right? Connecting with other people who are doing awesome stuff. One of the things that was, I didn't even know it at the time. So when when Joel first invited me to be a part of his administration, obviously it was an opportunity for me to connect and be more engaged in the community because my job was going to be focused on community work, which everyone knows is like where my heart and soul is, right? And so what I found out, I think a year after working with him was that I was the first African-American woman to be appointed to serve in the mayor's office. Wow. I did not know that. I didn't wake up and say I wanted to break that glass ceiling. But just by positioning myself and being of service to my community, my mayor saw that and wanted to appoint me to this position. And because of that, I am now one of those leaders that I am looking to see more of in my community, right? Mm -hmm. There's just so many different ways that you can tackle inclusion. But at the end of the day, what it's really about is engaging with the people that you want to impact and giving them a voice, their own voice. They don't need you to speak for them. I promise you, they know what they want and they know how they want to get it. Ask the question and Mm -hmm. you will be completely blown away by what they are already doing and how you can support their work and efforts. A lot of the times they don't need you to come and tell them what they need to do. They know what they need to do. They just need you to engage and bring your resources and your time and your energy and, and to know that you care enough to be present right, mm-hmm. and stand with them when things get hard because there are going to be moments where you're going to be like, man, this is hard. Like, I don't even know if this is what I believe in, but if these are the, the people that I want to impact and engage with, then I have a responsibility to stand with them in what's important to them as well. Right. So that's what I think of when I think of inclusion. inclusion. Yeah. So Skyra, before we talk about what 2018 is going to look like, Obviously, we have to ask you the question that you've asked all of your guests that have come on the show. (laughs) You are a leader in your own right. You don't even need an intro when you walk in the room. I think that there's a lot of people in our community who look up to you. But, you know, when when was it that that click for you? When was it that you knew that um, that you were a leader? Oh, man. I I never realized how hard that question was until it was just asked to me. Hmm. (laughs) Look at that face, Mm -hmm. Alex. That's a hard question to answer. And I don't know if I can pinpoint the exact moment when, like, I did a leadership thing. Mm -hmm. But I was recently reading a book that my seventh grade English teacher gave to me, and it was the book Little Women. Obviously, it's about four young women growing up back in a certain era of time. And I remember reading about Joe. Her name was Josephine. Joe was like, she was this woman in the book who was like, I don't want you to define me by what the societal norms are at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be this woman who sits at home and sews and is waiting for her husband to come and get me yeah. and whisk me away and take me to this new life. Yeah. I want to create my own path. She was that woman in the book for me. And I remember when I picked it up earlier this week, how much I connected with her mm-hmm. because 
there were so many things that I wanted for my life, even at that young of an age, that a lot of girls my age didn't want. Mm -hmm. My friends were talking about, already in seventh grade, they were talking about their wedding and getting married and having kids. And I was like, I want to be a fighter pilot. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, recognizing that the things that I wanted at that point in my life were different than what other girls my age wanted, I guess started me on my journey to being a leader. So it wasn't like a leadership moment where I took the lead on something. It was just me recognizing that I had a different thought process. And it took me years later to rec- to realize that that's okay. Right. Like that's okay. We can both exist. Right. You can want to be a wife and a mother and I can want to rule the world. And right. you know what? That's fine. Right. We can still be friends. That's right. What, what can we expect from the Sky Rito podcast series? In 2018, what, what you got? What you got in store for us? What you got in line for us? All right. So I know we talked a little bit earlier about some of the things that I learned while I was doing this podcast. One of the things that I learned is that there are a lot of people doing a lot of awesome stuff, and obviously I wanted to highlight that. But what I want to shift more to is a lot of things in the community that I'm passionate about. Like I like going to city council meetings. Listen, I know people think those things are boring, but that is like my reality TV. Mm-hmm. I just want y'all to know if you aren't watching or going to city council meetings, you're you right. are missing no, out. Right. Okay, that's where the tea is happening. You're right. Um, ain't, nothing, ain't nothing like someone that's trying to advocate for their property that they ain't took care of in about five years, and all of a sudden now they want to come take care mm-hmm. of it because they heard it's about to be torn down because dilapidated housing, and you ain't cut the yard in about six years. You got weeds all high. You got kids getting hurt in your <laughs> yard, and now you can. Now you want to come talk about I've been doing work on it. I've been you ain't been on that yard for about six years, and now you want to come say you want to do some work. Uh, Alex, Reach do you Alex. feel passionate about this? I'm I mean, sorry. Okay, just wondering. I'm sorry. Anyway, I'm excited about council meetings and how our government engages with our community. I'm excited about building minority business capacity, about turning North Lafayette into the Black Wall Street. Come on now. Um, that, like, I want to talk about those things. How do you take a community that talks about being progressive? And actually make it progressive. Mm-hmm. Well, and then how do you do what you said earlier? Like, how do you connect to the ones that are doing it yes. and gift your capacity to continue the movement and yes. to continue the progression? Because we've got great people who are out there, like, doing it in their own right. Yep. How do we all stop competing against each, each other, other, but support each other in a way that advances what this person is doing in education, what this person is doing commercially, what this person is doing in private business, yep. what this person is doing as a nonprofit. Like, how do we get all of our assets together and moving things forward? Go ahead, on girl. Mm. So next year, we're going to be shifting more into a series geared podcast cool. where we're going to take topics that are really relevant to our yeah. community right now yeah and we're going to bring in experts in those topics good people who are doing it on a national level I state like level local level people who are doing it on a grassroots level and then we're going to have some really dynamic dialogue and i want to i want to push back on some of the things that we're doing here and really challenge our leaders to say is this really the best way yeah to move our community forward or to yeah. do this project like yeah. let's let's really have this conversation in this dialogue and see what we can what can come from it so that's what that's what we're going to be shifting towards it's still going to be focused like on people doing awesome stuff in our community yeah but just a different perspective on that yeah so, so it sounds like you're still going to be that convener you know next year maybe with a different set of leaders and you're really going to hold a mirror up to our community yes. and reflect on are we doing what we say that we're doing right and then i want to offer people the opportunity mm-hmm. to engage more right if this is something you're passionate about where can you plug in here's your opportunity let's do it right mm. you know and i think that that's so important 
you know, Alex mentioned earlier the importance of producing sort of this local media and, and how to tap in. And I think that you giving people access through that because th- through this because sometimes they don't know where to tap in. You know, you might be interested in going to a city council meeting, mm-hmm. but it's pretty intimidating to walk in if there's no one else there that yeah. you're going to know. Right. Right. Uh, it, it's really sometimes intimidating. And, and I'm always impressed with how our local elected officials are very approachable, but I have an in. And so right. I think it's easy for me to say that. And so right. sometimes it's not as easy for the general population that might not be as tapped in. And so what I love about this podcast and, and your vision for 2018 is it's sort of giving people uh, that, that ear in and a way to navigate it on their own. Because what you said earlier is right, that people know what they want. They know how they want to be represented. They know what they're going to say if they have a seat at the table. And we need to give them an opportunity to do that. And I think that your podcast will do that. I hope so. We'll see what happens. It will. It will. I think one thing before we wrap up, I would like to say, I'm acting like I have one thing to say. So I'm You never have one thing to say. Um, You know, I would definitely like to, of course, once again, thank you, Skyra, for making time in your schedule this year to allow this type of content to have a platform. I think that everyone would like to do it, but no one really prioritizes it in their life to do it. Or we do it in a way that's quick and easy, but it doesn't really become something that can be translated to audiences all over. What I mean by that? is we may pick up our phone and do Facebook Live instead of really putting some professionalism and thought into mm-hmm. how do we package this content, let it live with different audiences who you may not capture on Facebook Live. So I like how you did that. I like how you like intentionally thought about it, like packaged it and delivered it in a way that people from different um, um, demographics can plug in and feel like they're connected. So thank you for, for taking the time to do that. Oh, you're welcome. I also want to say to our listeners that I think what me, me, Ashley, and Skyra are very different, and we didn't kind of go into it deep today. I'm sure we'll have an opportunity in the future to go in deep, <laughs> but we're we're different on a, on a lot of different in, in so many ways. But I think what we're all the same, and what gives us such a strong friendship is that we all know that our ability to be included is driven off of our intentionality of being where we need to be. Yes. Like we don't just wait for things to come to us. We are intentional about this is a direction. This is the next step. This is the next level. Who do I need to meet with? Who do I need to confirm things with? Who do I need to have in my circle? Who do I need to uh, learn about? Mm-hmm. Who do I need to learn from? Mm-hmm. Who, do I, who do I need to submit myself to in a form of a leadership guiding role to be better? Like we're very aware that our growth is contingent upon our activity and our energy and our growth process. So I want to challenge our listeners right now that if you're out there and if you feel like there's some things that you've been wanting to do, but you couldn't do it. If you feel like there's some conversations you've been wanting to have and you didn't know how to have them. If you feel like there's people that you've been wanting to meet, but you haven't met them, you got to get out and you got to do the work. Do not allow yourself to be consistent in your process. Like don't allow yourself to, to stick in that process that's not working for you. If you look up and three years later, you're still talking to the same people, dealing with the same issues, working with the same organization, and you have not diversified your growth, you haven't diversified what that organization is doing, you haven't diversified what your purpose is supposed to be, then that's like a green light. Hey, I need to stop like sticking in that road and I need to like pop up and go meet someone. I need to pop up and go learn something. I need to go take some classes on something. Like just... I really want you to start allowing this podcast that Skyra is putting so much energy into. I really want you to allow it to convict you and challenge you to do things differently. If it has not been working for you, do it differently. It's okay. You may fall. You'll get up. 
Yeah. And we, if you don't know how to do it differently, call me. Please. <laughs> and we say that, but no one ever calls. Call me. Right. But like, I really mean it. And even if you feel like you can't call myself, Ashley or Skyra, we are in so many spaces almost all the time. That there's so many people in this community yes. that's waiting to help. Yep. Mm -hmm. Waiting in all different places. Like I can tell you on the top, like there's so many people I've reached out to via email, via Facebook, via text message. Hey, I have this person that needs help. You do this great. Can I send them to you? Yes, I'd love to help. I haven't talked to them in six months, but they're still consistent on being helpful. So there's so many people out there. So anyway, I just want to make sure that people really understand that this is a tool and use it. Learn from it and let people help you. Hey guys, I just want to wrap up a little bit what Alex was saying at the end of the podcast. I know we talked a lot about moving into 2018 and making the podcast a platform for a community series, but what I'd really like to do is become a convener for our community. So we're going to decide together what those community series should represent. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a page on my website with more information at skyrarito.com backslash be my guest. There'll be a list of series of topics that we can talk about as a community and decide together What's important for Lafayette? So you can come on the show. This will be our platform together to talk about things that are important for our community to continue to move forward. We can discuss what they're doing in other places, how we can implement them here in Lafayette, and how we continue to make Lafayette a better place for all of us to enjoy. So once again, go ahead and go to skyrarito.com backslash be my guest. There'll be more information on how you can be a guest on the show and help to drive the community conversation on how we get Lafayette to the next level. All right. Let's go change the world together.